Good evening to all our listeners and welcome to episode 11 of VPod brought to you by the business cluster of IIM Vishakhapatnam. In today's episode, we're extremely privileged to have Mr. Puneet Jain, Vice President at Clarivet. He has over 30 years of experience in a variety of industries, having worked in USA as well as in India. He has led large multinational companies and successfully implemented several strategic transformation initiatives. Puneet has done his BTech from IIT Madras, MS from the University of Notre Dame, USA, and MBA from Indian School of Business. Puneet was the past chairman of Indo-American Chamber of Commerce and CII, Karnataka Core Committee member. A very warm welcome to you, sir. Thank you for having me. Pleasure to be here. So we shall begin with our first question. The jobs that have higher physical proximity are the most disrupted in the pandemic. Will the future require adoption of AI and automation to reduce dependency on the physical proximity? And how will this affect employment generation? So I think it's a great question that you've started off with. So if you see companies around the world have been adopting automation and AI for the last seven years. And this trend has only accelerated since the start of the COVID pandemic. In fact, if you look at the history of the past two recessions, you'll always find that there's been an increase in automation at the start of the recession, and then that continues well past the end of the recession as well. So early data from this increase in automation that started last year suggests that this surge in automation is expected to continue for the next several years. In fact, if you look at the number of industrial robot installations that continues to increase around the world uh, with China leading the number of installations with about 150,000 installations last year. Japan is second with about 55,000 industrial robot installations. And then the US is third with about 40,000. So there's a, there's a huge gap between number one, China, and number two, Japan, wherein China has almost 3x the number of installations as that of Japan. So coming here, what do you feel where India stand in the installation of industrial robots? Yeah, so India installed about uh, roughly 4,500 industrial robots last year. And uh, India was ranked 10th in the list of countries with industrial robot installation. So, but that's still a long way to go from where China is. So we are roughly at only about 3% of the China industrial robot installations. Nevertheless, uh, India has made rapid strides. In fact, the number of robot installations in India last year was actually almost, I would say, double than the number that was there five years back. So we have made huge progress in the number of industrial robot installations, but still a long way to go. And if you look at where these robots were installed in India, a majority of them, almost 45% of them, were installed in the automotive industry and the balance were in the electronics, electrical, and uh, plastics industry. In fact, um, if you look globally, uh, there's been three major industries where there's been a surge uh, in 
the use of robots since last year. And uh, the three industries are the medical manufacturing industry, uh, the second, like we all know, is logistics, and the third is the food processing industry. So these are the three major industries where there's been a big surge in use of robots. This is quite interesting to know about the use of robots. Like one can definitely understand the increase in demand for manu medical manufacturing and also for logistics. But what is this reason behind food processing? Right, so in fact, uh, within the food processing industry, if you look, the increase in demand actually has come from the meat processing industry in the US and Europe. As you know, you know the environment in the meat processing factory is very, very difficult and demanding. And also there's a lot of absenteeism and there's very high turnover. So this was one of the industries where they focused on installing robots and they've found a huge increase in productivity and efficiency. In fact, uh, if you look at companies such as uh, Amazon and Walmart, they've been spending significant amount in automation and AI. We all know that uh, Amazon is at the forefront of uh, leading technologies in this field. In fact, uh, just over the last couple of years, Amazon has built world-class warehouses in the US and in Canada. And most of these are completely automated, whether you look at um, picking up of parcels or sorting parcels, all of this is completely being automated. And uh, as a result of this automation that has been going on around the world, as you have rightly pointed out in your question, it's resulting in a lot of blue collar job losses. So, you know, that's one side of the equation. But uh, there's some very interesting study being done by University of Berkeley, wherein they found that companies that are focusing on increase in automation and AI, they are seeing an increase in productivity increase in efficiency, and also interestingly, seeing an increase in their workforce. And this increase in workforce is around 15%. And the other interesting thing that this study found is that the increase in workforce is not just at the firm level, but it's across the entire industry. So there are industries that are leading the focus on automation and AI, and the entire industry is growing. So the entire pie is growing, and it's not that one firm is gaining market share at the expense of the other. So here, I'd like to put forward another question, which can be told as the question of the mass. Like, what can a government do to help workers that are being displaced due to automation and AI? Yeah, I think uh, that's a very valid point because as we all know, in the last couple of recessions, by the end of the recession, there were a huge number of job losses and that's not good for any economy. So it's very important for governments and other 
NGOs to help in upskilling of those employees that have been laid off so that they could transition into newer roles that you know, require higher skills. So that was very well put, and I'm sure our listeners will find it very informative. We'll move forward to our next question. Sure. What major difference you have observed at both your working places in US and India in terms of work culture or workplace, and what kind of some of these sort of implementations can be done in India, according to you? Sure. Um, so yes, there are, you know, always differences in work cultures in different countries, and yes, there are a few minor differences in the work culture in the US and in India, and uh, we're not going to pass any judgment which culture is better or not. But I think a few things to note is the fact that in the US, there's a lot of emphasis on work-life balance. So employees know how to distinguish between their personal life and the professional life. So as a result of that, what they do is they ensure that they're in the office by either 7 a.m. or 8 a.m. work eight to nine hours, and then leave the office, thereby ensuring that they have enough time for their personal life as well. Sometimes in India, what happens is that uh, we all tend to stay back late at work. It could be work pressure. It could be due to calls that we have with the US or Europe. And then that results in a vicious cycle because the next day, we tend to come late and then it impacts our work-life balance. Also for some of us, we put work as our number one priority and we let the personal life take a back seat and then obviously it impacts our work-life balance and obviously impacts our health as well. Also, typically in the US, the, like the breaks, if you look at the lunch breaks, those tend to be much shorter, but in India, sometimes they tend to be longer. Also, typically, if you look at the organizational structure of most US companies, it's typically a flat structure, but uh, sometimes in India, a few of the companies have a you know, structure that has large number of layers. So I would say those are some of the major differences. Each culture has its own advantages. So I think that's the way to look at it. Do you think that companies in India are changing and trying to adopt to a flatter organizational structure? Yes, definitely. As you rightly said, you know, over the last 20, 25 years, we have had several multinationals come into India. And with that, we have adopted the global structure that typically exists in most of these multinationals. There could be a few sort of traditional manufacturing companies in India that still have a higher number of layers in the organization, but I'm sure most of them are making efforts to ensure a flatter structure because a flatter structure ensures that the decision-making is faster and it also leads to higher efficiency and it also motivates employees because there's lesser levels to deal with from the top management uh, to the lower management. That is quite appreciative to know. 
So uh, moving on to our next question, due to this mix of work from home and work from office, what should be expected from the employer regarding the future of workplace? Sure, yeah, I think uh, that's one of the most hot topics uh, being discussed in companies around the world. So if you look at uh, certain companies like uh, Twitter or Spotify, uh, they have come out and said that employees are free to work uh, from home forever, right? Even once the COVID pandemic ends. So companies like Twitter and Spotify have been very clear and that's the policy that they have adopted. In India, we had uh, TCS come out with a very interesting strategy that was called 25 by 25, which meant that only 25% of the workforce would be working in the office by 2025. But most of the companies have said that they would follow a hybrid model, which means that there would be a mix of employees working from home and mix of employees working from the office. Obviously that depends on each country, on the COVID situation, the vaccination rates, and a whole host of other local and country specific guidelines. But I think post pandemic, most of the companies have agreed that it would still be a hybrid model and what companies around the world are doing is that they are now redesigning the workspaces to ensure that there are more collaboration spaces because the early trends are suggesting that employees will possibly come into the office just a few days a week. And this time in the office would largely be used for meetings and collaboration. In fact, if you look at companies that uh, thrive on inactive on innovation, it's really very, very important for them to have people meet each other, discuss and collaborate. Because right now what's happening is in the digital world, it's very, very difficult to build your networks. It's easy to talk to people within your team, but quite difficult to collaborate with team members who are working in other teams. So I think companies are going to follow this hybrid model going forward. So you have been in many leadership positions. So do you feel like working from home reduces the productivity of an employee? Well, uh, it's a very interesting question. So in fact, what we found is in March 2020, when everyone went in, into the lockdown and started working from home, the first six months, most of the companies around India found a huge increase in productivity because the country was in a lockdown. Also, people were saving at least three to four hours in commute time, right? That time was spent in possibly working or in their work-life balance. But then after about six to eight months, you know, the fatigue sort of set in because employees were locked in and also our homes in India are not really designed to, you know, encourage working from home in an effective manner with a lot of background noise, 
lot of challenges with respect to electricity, internet, and other challenges. So yes, uh, some of the companies are reporting a slight dip in productivity for the last uh, few months, but uh, I think in general, companies and employees across India have done a great job because if you look at the IT industry, that's close to $180 billion annual industry. And we really haven't heard or read about any major disruptions in customer deliveries. So it just shows that all the employees in India or across the world have done an outstanding job in really very trying conditions, right? The pandemic has been very stressful for everyone around the world. But considering all of that, I think all the employees have really stepped up and done a great job. This is very insightful to know. I'm sure this would definitely help our students. Sure. So our next question, what according to you will be an ideal workplace according to these current developments? Well, I think uh, in my view, the ideal workplace will possibly depend for on the employee circumstances, right? Uh, if you look at a lot of surveys that have been done, some of the fresh graduates, you know, possibly even you all want to graduate next year, I think you would prefer to go into the office at least four to five days a week because those who are fresh graduates, they prefer to work in the office because that helps you in your learning development and also soft skill development. And it also helps you all to build your networks within the company, right? But there could be certain employees, depending on their personal situation, who may say that we would want to come into the office two or three times a week. And there could be some others who have gone back to their hometown and they're really happy to be back in their hometown. And they could say that we would possibly work completely remotely. It all depends on the nature of work, you know, which company they're working for, which industry they, they're in. Because if you look at you know, the retail industry, obviously you cannot work from home or many of the services sectors, it's important that you're there in the office. But with the IT, ITS industry, working from home is a possibility. Obviously with the manufacturing industry, that is not a possibility. So it, it all depends on personal circumstances and the industry that one is working in. So here I'd like to put forward a question from my personal experience too, like fresh graduates like us, for us networking and learning from our peers or from our like uh, the managers, it means a lot for our career progress. Sure. In this uh, culture that is currently going on, this online uh, platform or work from home, can you recommend certain strategies or skill sets that we should develop now so that we can make the most out of this uh, circumstance, this scenario? Yeah, I'm, I'm sure you're possibly following it in class as well, but in case some of you aren't, I think the first thing is it's important to have your video on and to ensure that we are focused because at times if your video is not on, the other person really doesn't know. And you know the facial expressions tell a lot, right? And so that I would say is one. And second, like I mentioned earlier, is 
though it's very difficult, but I think it's important to reach out outside your teams and try to interact with others because that will help you in building your network and also collaborating. Thank you so much, sir. This was something we all needed. This is what we yeah. need of the hour. So lastly, what advice would you like to give to the students who are looking forward to the corporate world? Well, uh, I think the one advice I would like to give, at least from my personal experience, is the fact that, you know, each one of you came with certain goals and dreams, right? And I, I would advise you all that don't let this COVID pandemic deter your goals because, you know, I did my MBA during 2002 and three, and even during that time, we had this business uncertainty that was largely due to the fallout because of 9-11, which had just happened the previous year. So whenever there's business uncertainty, it always leads to anxious moments in any college campus around the world. And what tends to happen is, since there are fewer job offers, at times we tend to take up the first thing that comes to us. And perhaps that's possibly not you know, the dream job that we are looking at. Some of you are possibly looking at switching functions. Some of you are possibly looking at switching industries. Some of you may be you know, within the same function, within the same industry. Then it's a lot easier. But if you're looking at switching functions or switching industries, then it becomes even more harder during these uncertain times because the number of companies coming to campus significantly decreases. So what tends to happen is that you would have to focus more in trying to get your dream job, working on other projects, developing your soft skills, developing, you know, maybe taking up other certification programs. You really have to go the extra mile compared to when there's a boom period, everyone is gonna get a great job. So I would say, don't let this pandemic deter your goals and dreams. Uh, you all are extremely talented. And I'm sure that each one of you has a fantastic career ahead of you. And I just wish you all the very best. Thank you for your words of wisdom. I'm sure our listeners will learn a great deal from this interaction, as have I. On this note, I'd like to conclude the 11th episode of our podcast series. Once again, on behalf of IIM Vishakhapatnam, I'd like, you, like to thank you for taking out your valuable time and addressing our enthusiastic student cohort. Thank you to all our listeners. Have a great time and take care, everyone. Thank you very much.